0: Okay, so you saw these documents. What was your reaction? And and, and what do they actually look like?
1: I was astounded to, to see these documents like just staring at me in the face, you know, like with the little Discord markings of like I'm like, oh my god, like, I've used Discord to play Call of Duty, and now I'm looking at like these classified documents that were just discussed in this open forum.
0: Alex Horton is a national security reporter for the Post. Over the last week, Alex has been looking closely at this trove of documents that contain secrets from the top tiers of the U.S. government. Think classified intelligence briefings, spy strategies, sensitive information about how Ukraine is doing in the war against Russia. And it all took officials by surprise when they first appeared on a Discord server, this chat platform typically used by gamers.
1: So I think the reaction was wow this is substantial and then it was why do these documents look so strange these are just printout of powerpoints that you might do after like your college chemistry class and they're like folded haphazardly they're crinkled there's a coffee table in the background so obviously someone held them in their hands took their phone and just started snapping these images that are sort of askew um it was just one of those um, yeah, we're in we're in very much a postmodern society where the the highest closely guarded secrets of the US government are floating around a server popular for for gamers. From the
0: newsroom of The Washington Post, this is post reports. I'm your guest host, Libby Casey. It's Wednesday, April 12th. Today, we're talking with Alex about this mysterious leak, where it came from, and how these intelligence secrets contradict the United States government's narrative about the war in Ukraine. So, Alex, what is in the leaked documents?
1: There's a lot. Um, I, I, I took some notes because I had to. I was bound to forget something when I when I walked in here. One of the more interesting things, and again, that we had indications of already, was the level of penetration of U.S. intelligence into uh, Russian preparations for the war, the war in Ukraine. Uh, some of the documents talk about uh, preparations that Russia is making for specific attacks, not just the time, but the place and how they will attack, what munitions they'll use, uh, which shows that they are um, either getting it from human sources or they're intercepting communications Um, that are discussing preparations for an attack.
0: Can I just pause you there? So human sources, we're talking spies. We're talking people who are either leaking information from the Russians or who are placed there as spies. That's right. But that sounds dangerous to release this information because that lets the Russians know that intel is being gained.
1: That's right. When you hear the jargon sources and methods, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about either people who are close to this information that's providing it to... US intelligence officials, or it is a satellite or uh, you know, some sort of interception on, on radio or cell phones or other communication, maybe a computer network. Why that's important to, to safeguard is because if if the Russians now know there is a vulnerability somewhere, they can go back and say, well, let, let's go back to who discussed that particular attack in at that particular time, reference in the documents and figure out how the Americans or NATO knows about it. Um, so that that's the danger here. And that's why this stuff is so, so explosive is because, you know, Russia and its intel folks can go back and look at, OK, wh- where do we need to plug the holes? And sometimes those holes might be people.
0: Are there more revelations beyond these kinds of spy strategies?
1: The other one that we, we've we reported on that I've seen myself is um, the, the perennial challenges that Ukraine has to sustain itself in a conventional artillery war. I mean, they're shooting thousands of rounds a day. I mean, they're shooting a, a few, like around every few seconds along the front. It's, it's a, an incredible industrial effort to keep that war going and the documents have these counts where they predict when Ukraine will uh, run out of certain munitions, uh, which is a problem. And it shows just how important this this logistical train that, you know, every time the Biden administration says, we have a new package going to Ukraine and it has so-and-so many shells, that is very important to make sure that that is always moving, because if it stops, it, it becomes a big problem for for soldiers on the line. Um, Another enormous, enormous problem here um, is the Ukrainian ability to sustain its air defense. And in the documents, um, it shows that there are certain munitions that Ukraine has that is provided by the West. And when the uh, U.S. intelligence folks assess that they're going to run out of those munitions, um, and there are some direct consequences to that. Uh, For example, once Ukrainians run out of that; they're going to have to prioritize shooting down helicopters and planes. They can't afford to be shooting those drones that cost twenty thousand dollars with missiles that are very, very hard to come by. Um, so that that provides opportunities for the Russians.
0: Alex, there's also information about other countries in these documents. How does that come into play?
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, the other the other side to this the sort of diplomatic fallout. My talented colleagues uh ran a story a few days ago on um one of the assessments that you know Egypt wanted to provide uh munitions to the Russians. And, you know, the Egypt is one of the, you know, most important uh partners for the US and the Middle East. And there's a long security assistance relationship that's gone on there. Uh US provides, you know, a lot of a lot of equipment and funds for them. So for that to secretly start to unravel a little bit and, you know, have this sort of relationship with Russia was, I think, Im- important to highlight. And that's important to note that they have denied that this occurred. Uh, but it is, goes to show that there are these sort of diplomatic maneuvers that are happening, you know, way under the radar that, you know, everyone would prefer to uh, to keep quiet.
0: There's been a global focus on the role of China and its relationship with Russia and how China could influence the war in Ukraine. So yeah. what about countries like that
1: there's an interesting sort of uh, contour to that in the documents you know the u.s has been saying for some time that they didn't want to provide long-range missions to ukraine um, that they can then use to launch into russia because that would escalate the conflict and the question was how would it
0: since the beginning of Russia's war on Ukraine, the U.S. has had to navigate wanting to help Ukraine's military without going so far as to provoke Russia into war. President Biden making that clear. Are
1: you going to, are you going to send
0: long-range
1: rocket systems to Ukraine?
0: We're not going to send
1: to Ukraine rocket systems that can strike into Russia. Now we know that one of their assessments is that strikes in Russia with NATO equipment could be then used to justify a widening involvement in China, that they might provide munitions, they might provide other support. Um, That seems to have been the dynamic that the administration didn't really say publicly. These documents help illuminate some of the public discussions around China, Russia, and Ukraine that the administration has made over the last couple months. In February, Secretary of State Blinken publicly warned China not to get involved in the conflict. Uh, This is about the same time when these documents are saying they've intercepted Russian intelligence, uh, discussing how China may become involved.
0: So, Alex, what is the U.S. government saying about this? Everything from their awareness of them to the legitimacy of the documents?
1: So when they talk about the documents publicly, they prefer to focus on the investigation on on who leaked them. Uh, they've launched an investigation on there. Uh, they're working with the Justice Department to, to figure this out. Um, some uh, national security experts I talked to said the consequences for this person are, are, are rather severe. You know, this could be, you know, years in prison for, for whoever leaked it.
0: I mean, the head of the Intelligence Committee in the House has said they're a traitor
1: yeah, and we don't know this person's motivation. We don't know if this is to win an online argument, you know, about uh, you know, how the war is going. Um, we have we have no clue uh, to the motivations. You know, they might be a Russian agent. Uh, we don't we just don't know. Um, when it when it comes to the legitimacy of the documents, um some of my earlier questions, um, you know, to the Pentagon, you know after after they reviewed them was there did appear to be a manipulation on one of the slides that, um, downplayed Russian losses and um, you know artificially inflated the number of estimated Ukrainian losses. We're on the hunt for other manipulations in the other documents, but I think it's important to note that there are different waves of document releases. That when we went in, scraped from Discord and from users who were in that server, um, that first batch was unaltered. And once they were kind of bouncing around the internet for a while through Telegram. That's when it it appears manipulation happened. So there's like the original unaltered, um, you know, primary documents, I I tend to call them, and then the ones that are sort of been bouncing around. So it really depends on how upstream or downstream you are in scooping these up.
0: John Kirby, who's uh, high up in the National Security Council, has said, we don't know the extent of the leaks.
1: Just to follow up on that, Um, at this point... Do you believe the leak is contained? Are there more documents out there that have not been released publicly? Is this an ongoing threat? We don't know. We truly don't. What does that tell you? I think it tells me a couple things. That they don't have an ability to, to go out there, or maybe they don't even know where to look, I think is maybe one issue. Um, I also think that, you know, some of these Discord servers are are private, they can shut down, they can move somewhere else. You know, there, there is no telling if there's just going to be, you know, a constant drip, 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 or we're, or if we're just going to find one, you know, documents after this that are still bouncing around. There's, there's no telling.
0: After the break, we dive into the real-world consequences of spilling this top-secret intel, especially the effects this might have on Ukraine as it fights a grueling war. We'll be right back. I'm Hannah Rosen, host of Radio Atlantic. Wait, really? Every week, we talk to Atlantic writers or other creative thinkers, and we take one idea and we road test it. Maybe what I'm asking is, is the problem them or us? Sometimes I change my mind about things. That's such a good point. I never thought of that. Maybe you will too. Or at least you might see something differently. Ooh, that's fabulous. Radio Atlantic, new episodes every Thursday. So, Alex, how does the information in the documents square with what the U.S. government says about the war in Ukraine? And also with what you've seen on the ground, because
1: you were just there a few weeks ago. Um, it's more about how it doesn't square with what the U.S. government is saying about the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get, like, Afghanistan vibes from the way that the Pentagon and the Biden administration have been talking about the war. Um, you know, they, they like to um, really underline the support in terms of you know, billions of dollars or this critical system or this supply of ammunition, whatever the case may be, whether it's air defense, whether it's tanks, um, you know their, their line has been, we're giving the Ukrainians what they need when they need it you know, through different phases of the war. And that's great. But it really doesn't underline the complexity of a front that's hundreds of miles long in an industrial conventional artillery war that is both rooted in like a World War I strategy mixed with like almost like steampunk type weapons. And why I get these Afghanistan vibes is all the way up until people were falling off of airplanes in Kabul, the US government was talking about how uh, well the Afghan security forces were doing, how they were holding the Taliban at bay. It was just another... You know, we just had to keep on pushing and the strategy was working until everything fell apart. I, I get the same feeling here because, you know, I, I did all my reporting out in, in Donbass on this, on this rotation. We went to visit an um, artillery battery that was firing missions into, into Bakhmut. Um, and after a while, walking around their position, talking to other soldiers, I was like, where's all the Western stuff? Where are the weapons that I've been hearing about for months on this beat? Surely I can find something. And it was more about the absence than my ability to see their effect on the battlefield. In what the Ukrainians are saying is the most important consequential part of the entire war. So when you're out there, you sort of get a more dire and immediate um, picture on what happens when they don't have the ammunition and the weapons that the Pentagon is saying is flowing. So freely. I talked to a drone operator who was supporting those fire missions. His job is to elevate above the city of Bakhmut, see where those artillery strikes are landing, radio back and say, you need to adjust this way or that way so they can be more accurate.
0: This is a Ukrainian drone operator.
1: That's right. And we hear so much about the, the, the drones and the other radio communications that are being sent there. And he says, here's my drone. It's Chinese. I got it from AliExpress. And from where? From AliExpress, which is sort of like the Chinese Amazon. So it's coming down to like a like a Chinese Amazon supplied war in this little corner where there are thousands of fatalities on either side. And I'm just standing there listening to this and I'm like, could someone get John Kirby down here and and ask, you know, why why they aren't getting the stuff that they need? When you actually walk the line. There you just kind of like what what's going on am I am I in the war that i that I hear about in the briefings or am i in am I on earth too, where there's actually a supply logistical problem and that is all reflected in these documents that they are having these problems with sustainment,
0: so how does Ukraine's military feel about these leaks?
1: you know I think um I think the government is is upset about it. This raises questions about you know the the trust between you know their allies on how they can safeguard this information. We talked to one um, official with the Ukrainian Air Force about the air defense issue, and they said, you know, look, air defense in this in this conflict is mobile. We move around these sites, so where they are today, they're not going to be tomorrow. So that's okay. And they di- they didn't dispute that they're running low, and that they don't really have a have a uh, a plan to to keep them going when their inventory is running low because there isn't any left. Um, so they are acknowledging like pieces of the documents, but they are overall downplaying the significance. You know, saying you know this doesn't affect our counteroffensive plans. We're going to strike where and when we want, um, and even if the Russians do the plan, we can change it. You know, at the last minute. I think Russia is probably trying to figure out where they're going to launch their offensive. And, you know, these documents might help them and they might not. They might have their own understanding based on their own intelligence um, of what Ukraine might do. But I think it's important for Ukraine to to realize, and maybe this is a good reminder, that uh, there's a lot of eyes on them from the US, from NATO and Russia and China. Um, this is a good reminder for them to, to really clamp down themselves and make sure the right people are reading the right information.
0: Alex, where does the story go from
1: here? What's next? When it comes to this kind of information, um, I I think not a lot of it is going to be a surprise to the Russians. Um, They have their own intelligence apparatus. They've been plugged into Ukraine for years. They have their own agents in Ukraine. Um, They might know a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I think... What's important and probably new to them is the U.S. side of the collection. Russia may come away with these uh, these documents and have insights into the way the U.S. Um, gathers information from either people or from secure communications, and maybe they start to address those shortcomings. Address could mean like, if they find people who are providing information, you know, they could they could you know jail them, they could kill them. Um, it depends on who they are and, and what they've provided. Um, they could start to s- limit access to secret and classified information amongst themselves, which makes it harder for the U.S. to look for it, it makes it harder for the Ukrainian intelligence to, to gather that information. So what happens in the search for the leaker?
0: And you just laid out some very real-world consequences that could come from these documents. What if it's someone inside the U.S. government?
1: So, what is likely happening right now is the Justice Department, the Pentagon, other agencies are probably scouring meetings, schedules uh, to see who had access to these particular documents. These are looked to be pages from a briefing book for the Joint Staff, which is you know General Mark Milley. Um, so that means there's not a there's not a tremendously big universe of people that would have access to these, but. You know, once they identify this person, um, you know, one expert told me, you know, very plainly, they're in for a world of hurt because I see the consequences as like this sort of like expanding star that will continue to grow because some of the disclosures in these documents affect, um, you know, different classifications. They reveal different classified uh, programs and abilities of the U.S. that, you know, it's possible that the Russians and maybe the Chinese didn't know about. And now they do, and maybe that gives them pieces to go on. The Intel world works on pieces, like a mosaic. And they put together this thing and that thing, and then after a while, they start to build something that they can stand back and say, okay, now we understand this complete picture. That's why these disclosures can be damaging in ways we can't even anticipate yet, because these, these slides and this the, the context and the way these things were gathered, this information was put together, might be a puzzle piece that the Chinese and the Russians can now go back and look at all the other stuff that they've collected over the years and say, aha, now I understand this better.
0: Alex, thank you so much for laying this out for us and for bringing your notebook and <laughs> talking us through it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Levy, for having me. And Yeah, this notebook is uh, continuing to grow.
0: Alex Horton is a national security reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Ariel Plotnick. It was edited by Rena Flores and mixed by Sean Carter. Thanks to Ben Pauker. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do, and you get access to all the incredible reporting our colleagues do every day, including all the latest updates on what these document leaks contain. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Libby Casey. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.